Woman is a podcast about, you guessed it, women in LA cultivating successful lives for themselves in the grind of traffic and under the palm trees. Whether in work, relationships, friendships, whatever, LA is without question one of the world's major cultural hubs and trendsetters. And unless you're living under a rock, it's hard to ignore that this is a really exciting time for women and their perspectives. So uh, I'd like to put some stories out there of women we know in LA, working here, having relationships here, dating here, etc. And maybe you'll take away some advice or at the very least a good story. I'm your host, Julie Roth. I am a copywriter at Electronic Arts, or EA Games. I've lived in LA seven years. It's been a crazy ride to get where I am today, and I'm currently living in beautiful Venice Beach. Today's guest is Ashley Farr, personal chef and entrepreneur. Ashley hails from the East Coast, but has found her footing and her hustle here in LA. After earning her certificate at Le Cordon Bleu in France, Did I sound fancy when I said that? And paying her dues in the restaurant scene in New York City, Ashley moved to LA for a change of pace and really a change of life. She now heads up Cook Drop, which is one part homemade meal delivery and soon to be one part brick and mortar, which you'll hear all about in this episode. At the same time, she balances her growing list of private clients, which are mostly from the NBA. Yes, the NBA. (laughs) She shares some crucial advice for aspiring chefs and really any entrepreneur looking to make moves on her own. We chatted about career, making mistakes, never compromising on quality, and how to build a business one dish at a time. Here's Ashley. Before living here. Everyone just thought, you go to LA, it's beautiful, there's beautiful people, but it's very fake and there's there's no depth, there's no culture, there's no appreciation for great things. I can't believe how wrong I was. Living in LA, I think people appreciate living well, appreciate good life. And it's taught me so much since I moved here about what it means to, A, be able to define what it means to live well and what do I think is a good life, and B, uh, to actually have those resources. It's just the weather, being able to be outside. Oh. Um, I, for me, obviously, the produce is a huge factor. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. It, it's just amazing to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that people in LA, you know, friends of ours in common and friends that I have all from all over, everyone is so fascinating, so smart, so curious, and appreciative of life. I can't say that I think anyone here is, is vapid or superficial, even the people in the entertainment industry. Well, I mean, I think you also, yeah, you attract, I think, what you put out. That's Definitely. a very L.A. thing to say. It's so, <laughs> no, but it's so, But it's so you know, true. When I was, um, it's, I, you know what, when I was getting ready to move here, that yeah. was the one thing I was so scared about. I was 100%. so scared that I was not going to meet anyone normal. Yeah. Like, everyone was going to be full of shit. I just thought it was <laughs> yeah. going to be this wheel and deal, screw yeah. you over place. And I think it's the, absolutely there, yes. but you have to like be patient and then you find people that are like you. Okay, wait, so you mentioned that you are from the East Coast. Where are you from? I'm from Boston. Yeah, I grew up t- 10 minutes outside of Boston. Went to a prep school, all girls private school uh-huh. in Boston proper. It was very competitive and uh, bred a lot of insecurities in me. But at the same time, it really pushed me. It taught me so much, so many skills that I still use. Most of them are discipline, 
Mm-hmm. It's all based around discipline. Just if you start something, you have to follow through. Um, if you want to do something, do it as best as you possibly can. Don't try and do it halfway. So I appreciate my high school experience, but it was also an all-girls school, and all I wanted to do was go to college and like fuck dudes. So, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know if I would like send my kids to an all-girls private school, but um, it was, you know, very uh, very educational. <laughs> Taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I went to college at Cornell in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do anything related to food or cooking. My major, I got in as a physics major. And then about a month in, switched majors. Yeah. I you got in as a physics major? Yeah, so silly. I loved math. I still love numbers. Um, but I was just really good at math, really good at calculus, really good at AP physics, and then um, apply as a physics major. Obviously, I knew in some level that that would help me get in, so I used it. Uh, a month in, I just thought, no way, like, I like the party too much. So uh, I quit the major, double majored in French and science and technology studies. Um, and then going into my junior year, I realized, I don't know exactly what happened, but I just had this desire to learn to cook. I couldn't even boil an egg. I wouldn't even have known how to do that. But something just made me think, all right, well, I would really like to learn how to do this. This is a valuable skill. You mean in college? You started getting this buzz? the summer Uh between sophomore and junior year. And I went home and was living in my parents' house for the summer, babysitting. And then I just went and read through and cooked through every cookbook they had in the house. And I I always write in my journals. And I love rereading this one uh, time that I wrote in my journal. And I wrote... I don't know what it is about cooking. I just really like it. I feel like I'm learning so much and I could I could keep learning from this every day. And I love rereading that because it's still true. I have been cooking for 10 years now and I am learning so much every day. Um, so that was very uh, prescient, I guess. That is so it was cool. cool. Yeah, it was fun. So, and then I went back to college senior year and thought, okay, well maybe I should take some ag classes or hotel classes. But I had to finish my majors, whatever. So I didn't, wasn't able to do that. But so you were already thinking about restaurants yeah. at yes. that point. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I studied abroad in Paris, did a bunch of like, did a certificate at Cordon Bleu, talked with a bunch of chefs, and it was just really interesting. Oh my God. I did an internship the summer before senior year of college at America's Test Kitchen. They have Cook's Illustrated magazine. Yes. I don't know if, okay. And I think it's the best magazine. They, there's so much effort behind each recipe and there's so much research behind the recipe mm-hmm. that whatever they do publish, you know it's going to be great. They have, and I loved it. I was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. Nobody wanted to work with me, but I loved it. It was great. <laughs> so, it was a good experience. Wait, what do you mean nobody wanted to work with you? At that point, you well, were out of college? At that point, I was just going into my senior year, but I didn't know the first thing about knife skills. I didn't know yeah. about working quickly that came later when I worked in restaurants and there were a lot of students from culinary school there and all the full-time chefs wanted to work with the culinary school interns and I was last on the list so I didn't even even, go to a Cordon Bleu certificate yeah I just I was really at that point just loving food loving life not really understanding the the work that has to go into well you were in college like give yourself a break you know college was all just kind of a blurry right right right. um and then i went back to school was unable to take any ag classes or hotel school classes uh but afterward i applied for a master's in food studies in paris and got it 
that was really cool. Oh my God. That was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because I worked with a bunch of different chefs. One was, to this day, my favorite female chef. Her name is Elizabeth Scotto. And it's cool because she grew up in Italy, then moved to France, spoke fluent Italian and French. Her two, excuse me, her three sisters were all chefs. And so they had all these cookbooks together. They were amazing. Um, She was the resident chef for Elle magazine, which is like the magazine in France. So I worked with her a bunch. What? She was I want to be her. She's so cool. That's crazy. Yeah, love her. Um, Tell her to come over and make us pasta. I know. I'm like, just, you can stay. (laughs) Me and my cat. (laughs) She was really cool. Then I worked with this pastry chef, um, Pierre May, who makes like these great macarons. Better than La Durée. Let's just settle that once and for all. That their La Durée is not good. What's yeah. La Durée? I don't even know. La, La Durée is, is like the. Where they have is. a place in New York City now. Okay. And they're supposed to be the best maker of macarons. They are not. Pierre Pierre Hermé is the best one. And anyone who wants to find out more, just email me. Talk to me. Like put, <laughs> put my email in the notes. I would be happy to discuss this. He made really cool flavors like foie gras macarons, but they're sweet and a little savory. He had like carrots and peas. Really. He was oh. just so like avant-garde. Anyways, really talented. Then I moved back to New York City and started working at this cooking school, which is still my favorite place to have ever worked, Haven's Kitchen. And um, there I was working with a lot of restaurant chefs who kind of taught me, okay, you need to not be so fucking slow. You need to start working like someone is chasing you. And to this day, I still work that way because it's true. In the kitchen, there's so much happening and there's so much going on at any one time. You have to have a sense of urgency. You can, you can work without one, but it would just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why you would. It was so much better to get things done efficiently, quickly, get all the food out on time. Etc. So I uh, worked there. Then I worked at a bunch of restaurants before moving here. And that was great. I knew I needed to do it because I really wanted the experience. Do it meaning move line. to New York? No, work in restaurants in New York uh-huh. City. Uh, it's just high volume. Some were high volume, some, high, some weren't. But it was really good to learn, again, that sense of urgency, uh, working on your station, keeping your station very clean, um, and then eventually learning how to um, navigate the whole line and and expedite and whatever and like shout out orders to people. It was really cool, um, but also exhausting. I gained 25 pounds. I was drinking like a pitcher of beer every night. I've heard that about the chef culture and stuff. So like, I'm actually curious about being a female in the kitchen as a cook too. Like, cause there's so many, um, ideas I think about what a kitchen is like and, how sexist it can be. Definitely. Um, I can, there are two experiences I, I can cite to, that speak to this. Yeah. So one of the restaurants I worked in in New York was this modern Italian, um, pretty, it was huge, really high volume. I think we did almost 500 covers a night, which is a lot for a restaurant. Um, and <laughs> the executive chef was female. So there wasn't any level of sexism that I noticed. The second restaurant I worked in, whose name shall not be mentioned, thankfully did not get any of this, but I had heard that before my coming there, girls could not last. Um, they would just get berated to tears. As um, chefs or as any staff member? As chefs. I don't know what it was like in front of house. I just uh-huh. know as in the kitchen. Yeah. When I was there, um, there was one other girl and myself. She's still um, cooking with uh, their group, as far as I know. 
Um, there was no sexism I didn't find, but you it was a just a negative environment. I thought that very few people lasted more than six months for good reason. It was just not, everything was so tense. People yelled all the time, the head chef, the owner. Um, really, they would get right in your face, an inch from your face, and just insult your family, insult your nationality, insult you to your core so that you just were paralyzed. You couldn't work anymore. And even if I wasn't the one being yelled at, you can't function anymore because it was so, it's such a jarring experience to see anyone be spoken to that badly. So I did not last there long at all um, and was very glad to leave. Oof. Yeah. Did that, did, you started working for yourself after that point, right? Yes. Did that experience push you to start your own business? Were you already thinking about it? I had no idea what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're such a good interviewer, by the way. So <laughs> Whatever. Cute. I'm just curious. I love it. I'm just curious. Very good with thorough questioning. So I, um, after I left the restaurant, I was not sure what direction I wanted to take. I did not even think private chefing was in existence. It, was ne- it had never crossed my mind. Uh, a family friend I sat down to lunch with one day and she, you know, lived in, had lived in Brentwood for a long time and said to me, you need to get into private chefing. There is such a market there. Of and course, Brentwood. That makes so much sense. 100%. Her kids were in private school and she knew the whole area and she said, I'm going to help you and this is what I'm going to do to help. You are going to auction off a dinner at two of the best private schools in LA and you're going to, I'm going to help you write your bio so that you make yourself sound amazing. She said, send me what you have. And my bio that I wrote was, you know, I spent a year here, went to France. And then she added in amazing adjectives. Truly, I looked at this and thought, this is not me, but I will send this anyway. So um, she really pushed me to, you know, I wouldn't even say it was self-aggrandizing. It wasn't even exaggerating. It was just taking the best things that I had to offer and putting them out there. So it was really great. I got this like pretty whatever big name client from those auction items. Um, I still wasn't making like near enough money to support myself. So I was working for another caterer to the stars. Um, I also, I'm not going to say her name, but she was really great. Um, I was totally going to ask you during the interview, like, can you talk about any of your clients or no? I don't think I can. (laughs) Which is fine. But you're like really cool because you have like athlete and celebrity Yeah, I can now. mention that. Yeah, we can, I, I'll discuss it, but no specific names can be mentioned. Okay. Um, she was really amazing. I mean, with her, I went to some of like these insane homes for insane people. Um, and I really learned a lot from her, both what to do and what very much not to do. But it was really, really good to work with her, mainly because I met a lot of other chefs that I still work with now, if I ever do big parties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and really great serving staff because service is big and having a good serving staff is big too. Um, so then slowly but surely, I just kind of got uh, enough clients. And my big, my favorite client to this day is in the MBA. Can't say his name. He's a pretty private person, um, but I just love him. He has been, I think he's so nice. He is super successful, super famous, but super normal. Everything, he's grounded. He'll have conversations with me. We'll just shoot the shit with me, and I love it. Um, he loves food, so I love that. Is this the guy who likes chicken fingers? 
loves chicken wings. Chicken wings. Yeah. And he loves, <laughs> I mean, he loves all things. He just loves food. And he loves a lot of desserts, loves his baked goods, cakes, yeah. pies. Yeah. Um, you make a mean pie, Julie. Maybe you should make pies for him. <laughs> Ugh, love your skills. Um, well, we haven't tasted that yet. There was decoration on the crust. I mean, there I are I like leaves. the little cutouts. Like, me too. It's so corny. Actually, David's mom helped me. I think it's Learn that. And it's brilliant. in the Martha Stewart cookbook, too. Pies and Tarts, best cookbook ever. <laughs> But yeah, she's like, you can do a little leaf, you can do a little this, you can do a little that. Yeah. So it's fun. It's, you're very good. You've got skills, my friend. So, you know. Thanks. Anyway, chicken wings. Oh yeah. So this client loves the skills, loves the food. Um, and he was my first big client. And I just remember being so nervous every single time I cooked for him because it was this first like person who was appreciative, liked my food. I didn't want to do anything to mess that up. I could not lose him as a client. I would lose sleep. I would drop off food for him and I would not be able to sleep that night thinking, what if something was bad? Aww. But it was just, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, but I really, really needed him as a good client. And then things that I have never told him and he will never know probably is that I gave up a lot to always be able to cook for him. He will, because of the nature of the MBA, things are very last minute. He might not know what's happening tomorrow himself. So if he asked me, hey, can I get some food for this thing, this dinner, this party, he might not know it's happening until very last minute and I have to work with that. So I have missed weddings. I have missed family reunions and it sucks. It what? sucks. I mean, the one, the family reunion was in Spain. So I was really pissed what? about that. Oh, wait. I remember this. It sucks, but it was, it, I know it's worth it because it has been so, uh, it has been so prolific for me. The clients that he's gotten me, the, yeah. the word of mouth that I have been afforded thanks to my work for him has really helped me like set up my career and put it in a really nice place. Wow. Right well, I mean, athletes are like the hungriest people They're on the earth. Best people to <laughs> like, the they best. need constant food. Yeah. For real. So like to even get into that market, I mean, we've talked about this before, but... It's um, they're the best people to cook for. There's no, they just love, and they probably food. like everything. Yeah, because like, they burn off everything. It's literally the best, and they have to eat carbs. I'm like perfect. <laughs> so I'm talking right now to one of the team's dietitians who is telling me, okay, so this guy, like, you know, he's eating a lot of avocados. So chill on the avocados, but definitely more lobster, more crab, more grass-fed steak. Everything's music to my ears. Like this all just sounds amazing. I can't wait. Wait, so, so you work with dietitians? Well, this is the first client who the team dietitian has reached out to me okay. and said, you know, we're just trying to maximize muscle function and we're trying to maximize energy use and everything. So this is what, and she really, she was cool because she really broke it down and said like, he needs more tryptophans. And so you need to give him more sun-dried tomatoes. So I, wow. what I try and do now is... That's obviously. so specific. Super specific. It's <laughs> kind of hilarious. I know. So it's <laughs> silly. But it's cool because I try and make my menus and then I'll consult her list and see, okay, so how close am I getting to what this guy should be eating and what are the ratios? You know, he needs to have a lot of carbs, like 60 to 70 of his meal should be carbs. Wow. I know, which is crazy. And then a lot of protein and very little fat. Like this is just a lean burning machine. Um, so it's been really fun to play around with that. Um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely in this town, word of mouth is everything. I had a couple agencies helping me. Um, but once you get a couple clients, they like you, they tell their friends, like that's everything, yeah. you know? And again, that's why I think like keeping your quality control high is 
so important. Yeah. You don't know who's going to be there when you're cooking at an event. You don't know who's going to be there thinking this tastes like it was frozen and pre-bought. Or they're thinking, wow, like you can really tell this person made everything from scratch. And that person might just be your next big client to tell you to tell 10 other people that you should cook for them. Yeah. Even at someone's house. Exactly. I'm sh- hasn't this happened to you before where right. like there's some superstar athlete at a, yes. like one of your client's houses and you're like, okay, I guess I'm cooking for this person. It just goes to show you never know who's going to be there. You never know who's looking at you and yeah. wanting to work with you, have you work for them. So just keep your quality high always and what, you know, kind of there's at whatever cost it it takes. That's really good advice. I mean, that's golden. Yeah. I think that's a big one. And then also I would say maybe other is, um, don't be afraid to try things that are new. There's always a learning curve. And I feel like I'm still on this learning curve because I'm trying new businesses and we can talk about that too. I'd love to talk about that. But um, it's there's always a learning curve. But if you don't try, you'll never know. And whether that's trying to learn how to get good at cooking a, a different cuisine. Maybe you're awesome at Italian, but you've known nothing about Vietnamese, but you want to. Just start, you know, a couple basic recipes for your clients, for yourself. But just never be afraid. You're probably going to fail. I failed a shitload of times. But just keep going. You have yeah. to. You know? Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, okay, so speaking of keeping going, yeah. you just secured a space for yourself. Oh, man. I got a space yeah. in Marina Del Rey. It's really cool. I'm going to host cooking classes, supper clubs, any type of dinner event. Potentially going just, just to rent out the space. That might be an option for people. Um, it really ha- I have to see how things play out. The biggest priority now is getting the cooking classes, the meal delivery, that you know about yes and of course this catering personal chef stuff is still in the mix so i have to you know that's like four businesses in one i know which is crazy and i'm starting to hire people part-time but it's this whole thing where i'm going slow i have like a part-time assistant part-time sous chef and a couple different delivery drivers and that's working out for now i think eventually like i need to get a full-time teaching assistant and probably a sous chef who's willing to you know be there with me every day well, I mean, that's a huge learning experience. Would this sous chef just be stationed at the commercial space? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think because a lot of times, like there might be events at like these private clients' homes, and they would need to stay there, maybe teach a class, or and the classes are going to be fun because I really want I want to invite other specialty chefs in there too. I just yeah. want people to come in, feel like they're at home. You walk in, do you want a glass of wine? Do you want a coffee? Like, come in, we'll do some cooking, we'll do some talking, and then we're going to have this really awesome meal at this really nice table. I'm so excited. You're going to be the first person to see it, yes. which is I'm really cool. I'm so excited. I, every day, am like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm just doing this. I want, like, a hat. Yeah, like, I'm I want thinking, gear. Yeah, so I, was <laughs> I want, like, Ashley gear. Tote bags, aprons, right? Yeah, but I want like a cool hat that I can like, like wear to work. Hat though, like, and like wear. I don't know. What if it has like two like two butcher's knives on it, or like two like something, something kind of badass? It yeah. can't be like too frou frou. It's not me. Something you know. We need to do some like yeah, some like cool. But some, but again, branding. this is where you are the girl. Okay, so here's where Ashley and I start talking about some nitty-gritty small business details. 
it's just such an education, like getting all my payments through one place. Like I was getting paid through Stripe, through Venmo, through Square. Um, and now you have to, my accountant was like, this is not acceptable. I was just thinking that. I'm like, how does this work with all your it's taxes? So, and he was like, well, first of all, everything now, you have to separate your business expenses. Get a business bank account yesterday. Then get your own separate business credit card. It can be under your social or the federal tax ID for your LLC. Yeah. But you need to have all your expenses in one place. It's like, now I look back and think, obviously I need to do this. But at the time it was so overwhelming. I just thought, how on earth am I going to... So now I'm in a place where I literally yesterday finally consolidated everything. Mm-hmm. It all gets transported to my QuickBooks for accounting. Like, I don't even have to think about this shit. Beautiful. Payroll is on Square. Everything's through Square. It's just, if you're a small business owner, I love Square. I'm advertising for Square. They're not <laughs> paying me, but I love Square. So <laughs> No, also good advice. No, Seriously, sure. if you're working yeah. for yourself, it's like you, you, you can't be expected to... Think about all that back end stuff all day while you're trying to run yeah, a business. It's a lot. But so this girl that is helping me, Erin, she's a godsend. She's great. Like she's doing all the little things. You know, for example, we're gonna have to have a dish towel service that picks up the dish towels and the linens, cleans them up, gets all those nasty stains out and deposits them back. Who do I talk to to that? How much does it cost? What is the budget looking like? You know, and then uh so much what else is in this budget of monthly costs right now we're in the startup cost phase so all the money in is just like all right this is all this shit that i have to spend money on but it's a one-time cost right but then there's so much recurring it's like you know obviously the things that you need for to stock the kitchen but yeah i'm trying to think what else besides the linen stocking retail i don't know just um getting coffee getting we'll find out but it's gonna be yeah (laughs) this is so fascinating to me all of these facets of your business coming together it's been really exciting actually i'll tell you it's been really stressful i think we were in prom springs together and i just started crying because i was so overwhelmed it was there was a point where i thought there's just no way i can do this but now i think that yes it's happening and i have a bomb sous chef he is the shit i'm so thankful that he's in my life and available he did bail on me tomorrow, called in sick, but whatever. <laughs> it's the first time he's done it. I'm not going to hold it against him. No, he's really so great. So fast, so nice. Um, so, you know, some really cool people are coming in and wanting to help. And um, I th- hope to just hire a couple more awesome people to make this thing like just a really fun. I just want it to be the kind of place where you walk in and you feel good. You know, you're just, you feel at home. You feel like you want to spend hours there. No one's kicking you out. No one's telling you anything. Just come and live in this really cool space for a couple hours and more if you want just come hang out i don't know you know yeah. hopefully it'll be that yeah <laughs> turn out that way no honestly i mean yeah. you are you're a very warm energetic person so i would Thanks. only think that the environment would reflect you but they'll come for the food and stay for ashley and stay forever <laughs> so yeah this is oh my god this is really really exciting yes and we Thanks, have a million Joy. people to you know, get in the door. Yeah, whoever you want to invite to the launch party, October 21st, 2017, hit me up if you want to come. I'll send you the invite on the DL. Shit, I got to publish the podcast soon. I will. I'll publish it before. Yeah, I will, I promise. Um, Do you have any final words? I love that you're doing this. I think it's so cool. Thank you so much for interviewing me. How fun. Cheers to the LA woman. (laughs) Hell yeah, love her. Love our friends. Love the women in LA that I know. I think we kind of did it. Hell yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Great. Done.
I hope you're inspired and hungry after hearing how Ashley is building her career from scratch. Get it? You can check out what Ashley's kitchen is up to at CookDrop on Instagram and at Ashley Farr, that's F-A-H-R, on Instagram. Also make sure to go to thecookdrop.com where you can learn about Ashley's menus, meal delivery service, which is amazing, and information about catering and her upcoming cooking classes. Seriously, book her while you still can. Plus, if you really want to settle the macaron debate, you know who to call. Thanks for tuning in to LA Woman. Please do us a solid and subscribe and rate and all that good stuff on iTunes. We're also at lawomanpodcast.com and at lawomanpodcast on Instagram. Let's keep inspiring each other as LA women and as women everywhere. Uh, One more thing. This podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Julie Roth. Our music was composed by Jazar.